but basically you put your phone away and you are like eye to eye with your child. And research actually says that if you give your children 10 minutes a day of this genuine encounter moments, it completely transforms not only the relationship, but it decreases power struggles. It helps them be in that higher level learning brain. We are Zinma. This is Ashley. And this is Casey. Welcome to our podcast. Where we write the blueprint of optimal living for our tribe. Hey Zen friends, Ashley and Casey with a Zinma episode. So excited to be recording with you today. Yeah, it's good to be back. I know, we're in the Zen Den. <laughs> which... We took a little break and, you know, just gave gave us some a rest as life goes through this chaos change that's all happening all around us right now. And part of that change is having all of our family under one roof. At least for me, my husband lost his job due to COVID. I am working you know, part-time from home and we have both of our kids. There's a lot of families out there who are experiencing change. And because of which, we wanted to bring in a topic that I think will touch many families and that is how to deal with power struggles. Because I think many families are probably experiencing some kind of power struggle as we shift and pivot during this time. And I just wrote an article for Generation Mindful about how this stress of staying home and school closures and social distancing impacts children. So if you're sitting there saying, gosh, I'm experiencing power struggles, or I, my child is regressing and toileting and um, hitting you know, bigger tantrums, waking up different times of the night, more in the night, if their eating has changed, all of that is very normal a very normal stress response. So you're not alone. And that's why we wanted to give you some tools to help navigate this time so you can parent from your heart and have a little bit more joy in your home. For sure. So power struggles, you know, it's an interesting topic because I think as a parent, I remember being a first time parent with Maddox and anytime he'd lose his cool, my initial instinct was to fix it you know, and make it all better. Yeah. And my husband was like, dude, it's okay for him to cry. Mm -hmm. You know, our job isn't to make his world perfect. Right. I was like, you're right. You're right. And power struggles are so important to the development of a child because it is the way tantrums and meltdowns are a way that a child can let off steam. The way that the brain is wired we have like these different parts of the brain. You have the brain stem, uh, your little watchdog, your amygdala, and that perceives any threats. And when you notice your kid is in like full-blown tantrum mode, that's where they're hanging out. Then you have your limbic system, which is your midbrain, where all the emotive, emotional stuff happens. And then you have the higher level learning brain where your kid can learn all the lessons that we, that we want to see. So teach. that's the red, yellow, and green. Yeah, right? totally. Mm-hmm. And when our children are hanging out in their brainstem, there's usually some kind of unmet need. It's their way of communicating that I'm dysregulated, I need help. And so as parents, a lot of times we see that, and especially if we're low on sleep or we're working from home while trying to juggle 
our child, we can perceive them as a whiny brat or, you know, and we, we can find ourselves locking horns with our children. And it can feel really hard. Yeah, it does. It feels hard. It's, um, we we kind of get stuck, you know. It kind of interrupts your day when your child either breaks down or, you know, gets upset or um, is not able to move through those feelings. Right, and when our children are getting emotional, we tend to also get emotional. It's very hard to be their calm during their storm when really that's what's, what's needed. And so right before we started, right before we plus, press play, Casey and I were talking about the different types of tantrums. I was reading this really interesting article and it talks about the different kinds of tantrums. And there's upstairs brain, which is that green light, higher level learning brain tantrums, and downstairs brain tantrums, which is the red brainstem tantrums. So in this article, it gave an example. Say you wake up in the morning and you're groggy. Your child is groggy because y'all had woken up many times throughout the night. You are running late, so you grab a snack bar and you're out the door and you stop at the store and you know your child falls and skins his knee and then they have the indoor carousel and the kid wants to ride the carousel and you say, sure, you know what? It's been a rough morning. I'm going to do that. And then you look for the change and you don't have change and your child like is on a puddle on the floor. They're throwing a huge fit. That is a downstairs tantrum. There's so many unmet needs there that are not meeting his like primitive um, needs, those physiological and emotional needs. Now an upstairs tantrum would be same scenario, but your child got a great night's sleep and you had a nice breakfast and everything was calm and smooth and the tantrum happened because you couldn't find the money. And the way we can tell a difference between a downstairs and an upstairs tantrum is actually the way we as a parent feel. If we are feeling really empathetic and compassionate and we know that our child's had a rough morning, you know they're likely having a downstairs brain tantrum and they're really needing some help. We can meet, empathize with them first and then meet the need quickly, you know, getting sleep, getting food, those things. If we've seen this a few times before and we're feeling annoyed or angry and our child has gotten their way in the past by throwing a fit at the store, we know it's likely an upstairs brain uh, tantrum. So just even recognizing if your child is in a downstairs or upstairs brain tantrum can really help you dictate the way you help your child it influences the way we perceive our child and the tools that we pick. Awesome. I'm thinking back to just a few, oh, this was yesterday. Um, Camila, I, you know, she went to bed a little later, so, you know, it could have been a, a brainstem, a lower stairs, downstairs tantrum, but she was really upset because she could not get gum. Like, I was like, no, you're not having gum. You know, we're, we're leaving, we're, you know, it wasn't her gum, it wasn't our gum, it was someone else's gum, and, you know, she wasn't getting the gum, and she would not stop, and it was one thing after another, and it was just meltdown, breakdown, but I really want gum, you know, it was just this sobbing, and I, I felt calm in the situation, I, I, I was like, you know, she might be tired, this, you know, she was up late, and, 
She's being very emotional right now. Um, and I tried to mend the situation. You know, we kind of overcame it. We kept moving forward. But then she got upset about the next thing, you mm-hmm. know, and the next thing. So it wasn't the gum, you know. It right. wasn't like really... There was an unmet need yeah. underneath the yeah. gum. Yeah. It's so interesting because a lot of times our kids are having these really big meltdowns over things that our adult logical brain is saying like this is ridiculous you know Maddox I'm going to give you two examples Maddox we had a huge tantrum because he wanted to pee and he wanted to go outside and pee which is fine but it was like pouring down rain whatever he was just so pissed he could not go outside and like whip it out on the deck and I'm like (laughs) all right whatever and then the other time he was pissed because he couldn't, I wouldn't let him lock Brandon outside. <laughs> what? He wanted to lock Brandon outside. And I mean, it was full-blown meltdown. Um, but his unmet need was he was exhausted both times. He didn't sleep well, you know, during the night. And it was, we were pushing late on bedtime. So when we can look for those unmet needs, it really changes the way we perceive our child and we receive our child. Um, so... It's interesting, yeah. And also, it's important to remember, too, that sometimes just because it's not a big deal to us doesn't mean it's not a big deal to them. Like, if your child is tantruming because they want the red cup instead of the blue cup and you gave them the blue cup, it truly actually may be a big deal to them. And if we start listening to the things that are big deals to them now, even though they seem small to us, then they're going to come to us later as they get older with the big things, you know, because they can trust us with those problems because we were there and we were empathizing and we were leaning in with them. So really the, the first step, you know, in dealing with power struggles is really looking at yourself. It's like, it's like parenting is like the super highway to self growth. I saw oh, that. Definitely. On a, you know, I totally agree with that. Yeah. To get us, you know, back into our center so that we can speak and uh, respond to our children Totally. And it starts with knowing like what triggered you, like what sets you off into your own brainstem. For me, if I don't get sleep, which is pretty common for multiple days, weeks, months at a time, I start, you know, things start to become a bigger deal to me. I become a little more emotive and a little more explosive, you know, because sleep is a primal need. I need to redo my trigger worksheet because uh, new things are coming up for me like especially during COVID is since we're in the house living in the house all the time is the clutter like when it starts to pile up Mm. it definitely triggers me like when I can't find something that I'm looking for because it's piled underneath like the mail or you know just the toys or the games or you know and I try try to find that balance between letting them play Mm -hmm. and keeping the house spotless but um, that's definitely a trigger is having so much stuff I'm in my so surroundings. With you. I try to be the mom who's like super cool with it, but at a certain point I'm like, I got to breathe. We got it. We got to <laughs> clean this up. Like, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I feel you. Um, you know, so in knowing your own triggers, when they start to arise, you can recognize them and you can choose your own calming strategies. You can choose to take a breath. You can, or several you can choose to get outside. You can, you know, what do whatever you need to do mm-hmm. to help yourself center because it's like firing a cannon from a canoe. If you are super 
angry and charged up and then try to connect with your super angry and charged up child, y'all are just going to keep charging each other up and right. nobody is going to win. Right. So know your triggers and know how to work through your triggers. Mm-hmm. And when I am, you know, quick to respond or sharp with my children, I, I usually apologize afterwards. Ditto. You know, I'm like, look, mom's a human and I made a mistake when I snapped at you like that. For sure. And I try to explain, you know why you know I reacted the way I did and apologized because positive parenting isn't about being perfect right it's not perfect parenting it's not permissive parenting it's respectful parenting it's guess what I'm a person with my own triggers and my own emotions and my own needs and you I recognize that you are your own person with your own triggers emotions and needs and sometimes we're in congruence and sometimes we're not. And yeah. sometimes you mess up and sometimes I mess up. And messing up is okay. Right. In our house, we celebrate messing up. Yeah. I had a really interesting morning where it's like one thing after another. Where I sat on a on an avocado like it was peeled. Yeah, I know. I had an avocado butt. Uh, Zeke drew on the couch with pen. None of us slept well. You know, there was a lot of things. And... I ended up spilling something this morning during breakfast, and as I could feel my body tense, Maddox looked at me and said, Mom, it's cool. Mistakes help us learn and grow. And I was like, oh, I so needed that. (laughs) You know, they're always watching and learning. My girls look at me, and, like, they know that I'm frustrated or something. I'll be like, Mom, I love you. Like, they're just sweet like that. They know, like... I'm frustrated, and it's like they'll they'll just put that little gesture out there. It's like, oh, melt my heart. I know, right? And so, if you have triggers or you're feeling triggered, and you're noticing it, celebrate that because that is alone is huge. Noticing it. Yeah. noticing it, and when you do mess up, because you will. What makes it positive parenting is that we work on making amends. That we say, you know what. The humanness in me is imperfect, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make mistakes, and can we do a do-over? Can we try a new way? So also, too, I think this is super interesting because I think a lot of times as parents, we have the best of intentions, but we also have these pitfalls of thinking where we have these goals for our children, and we try to sometimes rush them through the emotion and a lot of times this comes into I want my child to be good I want my child to be smart to be normal to be happy or independent and we could branch off into each one of these but when it comes to power struggles two of the ones would be I want my child to be good you're in a store your child's tantruming and you just have the goal of I want my child to be good I don't want to cause a scene Mm -hmm. and sometimes that can cause us to react to their reaction And before we know it, we're carrying our child out. Nobody's happy. And the thing is, who cares if people are looking? You know? You have a child who's struggling. Because we've all been there, so it's okay. Uh, You know? So been there. And it is okay. And the thing is, is to have the goal of, I want my child to be good, sends the message that we are only good if we do good. But we are all innately good. Sometimes we are having a hard time or we make decisions that don't help us be the best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we are innately good. Yeah. And the same thing goes with independence. When we have a goal of, I want my child to be independent, we can become more easily triggered when they're not doing certain tasks. 
that we want them to be doing. And sometimes we have to check our expectations because what we want them to be doing may not be developmentally appropriate. You know, sometimes I have to remind my husband, remind my husband, like Maddox is actually only three. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have to be reminded of that too, because he seems so just intelligently come, you know, his conversations are just mm-hmm. so ahead of his age. I yeah. Think. I, I do have to remind myself as well, but so be aware of any goals that you might be setting for your child and also be aware of your goals of the situation. This is my one of my favorites. Is your goal to connect with your child, to correct your child, or to be right? Are you in this power struggle locking horns because you want to be right and prove a point? Are you locking horns with your child because you want to control them? Because the only person you can control is yourself, yourself. right? And I don't my, our, I believe our role as a parent is to teach our children life skills. So I don't want to control my child. I want to teach my child how to control themselves. Mm-hmm. I want to give those, those tools. And for me, when I find myself in a power struggle, my power struggle is I'm trying to control. I'm trying to get him to listen or yeah. to do what I want him to do. Right. And Maddox is very strong-willed. And I think Ezekiel is going to be the same way. They have their own agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, so... When I find myself in the I want to correct or be right modes, I take a step back and center myself and say, okay, how can I connect? Because you can still connect and teach the lessons, but, but through connection, you're bringing back the joy to parenting and you're saving a relationship. You're building a relationship with your child. Yeah, that's good. It's a lot of self-work, but it's... But power struggles are a lot of work. Yeah. You know, it's constant. Even when you think you've got one thing, you've got the great, you know, you've done the thing. And like I was saying before we got on recording is my thing is I kind of freeze, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, before I say too much, I freeze and like, what do I want to say? Um, because I'm very much in everything I do, that less is more kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always learning and I'm always willing to learn more. Like, how can I do better in that situation? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what could I have done differently? Like, I do journal about it and I you know I think about you know I'm aware you're a conscious mama you're very conscious mama and we're all learning and shifting and and growing alongside of our children it's they teach us just as much Mm -hmm. as as we teach them I think it's just they seems like they're growing so much faster (laughs) so it's like keeping up with them and they're growing brains and well isn't it tricky too just when you think you have it figured out parenting is so fluid so who I am and what I'm feeling today might be different than what it is tomorrow and the same for my children Mm -hmm. and so there's so many factors and so that's why I think it's so great to have such a big toolbox of tools because then given on how you're feeling your child's feeling what's happening in the moment you can pull and try different different Mm -hmm. tools and one of those tools is help your child feel powerful during non-power struggle moments. And this can be done in so many different ways. But one of the ways is just let them do for themselves what they can do. Mm-hmm. Many of times we try to do too much. Yeah. And I, I'm queen of that. You know, I used to take Maddox to this little Montessori and home daycare. And they would always say, you know... He can do that for himself, you know. I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah. That's like that Netflix show, um, <laughs> the mom, working moms. Yeah, yeah, it was and so funny. She, she was, uh, they were like, you know, he maybe you should try letting him button his own shirt, you know, and she, it is like when they're, they're learning, you have to have that patience and, mm-hmm. you know, allow them to develop and learn. Or like in cooking, you know, I'm like one of those moms who yes. was, I'm like, clean it all up as they go and <laughs> yeah. don't make a mess and don't spill it. And, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting better at that working uh, or in the kitchen with Darlene. It's been nice to, you know, have someone else and see how they're. Well, and it helps that it's not in your kitchen. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. But no, I hear you. It's, it's, we have to allow them the time and the grace and the, you know, the mistakes to learn and grow. Because if we rob them of that, then they're going to be, you know, teenagers completely dependent on us. And that's a lot less cute. That's a lot, you know? Yeah, totally. That's what I, that's what I feel now. Like I'm, I'm trying to prepare now for later in life, you know, like, give them tools where later in life I don't have to be the bad guy who's trying to teach them how to deal with their emotions and stuff, that they already know that. Yeah, a a really great example of this is um, we've been having Maddox help us make his own breakfast, you know, and he's really excited about, you know, I made these, these pancakes or these eggs or whatever. And we've gotten into the ritual of after he eats, he takes his plate to the sink and then all of a sudden he wanted to clean up his space and then all of a sudden he went to the to the um what is that called a closet (laughs) and got the vacuum and vacuumed under his space and then he was like I was like what is happening and he felt so powerful and then we celebrated his powerful moment by doing a dance party where when he was done we did a Maddox's helping dance party and it was so silly but he he felt so empowered. So if you find your child wanting to take the lead on something and it's safe and developmentally appropriate for them to try that, let them do that and then celebrate those small successes in a really big way because that really builds the confidence and that lets them feel powerful in their own body so that they're not fighting you for that power later on. Yeah. And even in the power struggle, you can also um, help them find their power for example going back to the cleaning up Maddox we have a rule you can play and play and play but before nap and before bed we clean up our toys essentially Maddox was having nothing to do with it so I'm like how can I help him feel powerful in this situation so I said would you like to be the leader of cleanup you tell mommy and daddy what toy to pick up and then you choose a toy to pick up and he had so much fun bossing us around and before I knew it, like we were all laughing and playing and being silly. It really transformed the moment just by letting him be powerful. Yeah, I've been having Georgiana involved a lot more with, she made her own eggs the other morning and then she is, I'm working on laundry with her because mm. she's so big into clothes and outfits and changing into she's so many different <laughs> outfits per day, you know, just before I left the house, she's like, I'm changing into my wrestling clothes because dad and I are going to wrestle. And she comes downstairs in her shorts, you know, after having her big flowy skirt on. Um, but I'm just teaching her to be more mindful of like, okay, when you take your clothes off, they don't need to fall right here on the floor where you take them off. And I'm still learning that one too. You know, sometimes I have to pick up after myself, but I'm like, just have a responsibility of your space, right? you know, and picking it up and putting it somewhere and then actually doing the laundry and folding the clothes with me. She does, she's been folding her, her, my, her clothes with me for years now. 
And so she has that power to put her clothes away where she wants them and she knows where to go to find them because she was part of the process of laundry and putting her clothes where they belong. You know what's powerful, speaking of powerful, is um, wasn't that our very first episode ever, Zinma, is You Are Powerful? Oh my gosh, it was. Mm -hmm. See? (laughs) It never ends. No, never ends. You know, and being powerful and helping our children feel powerful can also be silly. You can incorporate it in games you play, like Simon says, have them be the leader or um, any game where they can be the leader really goes a long way in building those, you know, strengthening that powerful muscle Um, and, and showing your own power and your own independence and your own capabilities help strengthen their observation muscle. Gosh, look at mom over there being all powerful and doing the thing, you know? <laughs> it, it, it gives them a guide in which to follow. So all super good. And, you know, I learned this from one of my, from Catherine Cavall. She is who I'm taking my parent education course from. And she says one of the best ways to get underneath power struggles is to give a genuine encounter moment. She calls them gems. Right before you're getting ready to ask your child to do something. And a genuine encounter moment is like, could be just a couple minutes, could be 10 minutes, but basically you put your phone away and you are like eye to eye with your child. And research actually says that If you give your children 10 minutes a day of this genuine encounter moments, it completely transforms not only the relationship, but it decreases power struggles. It helps them be in that higher level learning brain and keeps them, you know, from falling into their their brainstem. So is this like having a conversation or could it be like coloring like me and Georgie love to color? Whatever fills your child's love tank. So you know like the five love languages? Mm -hmm. Know that for your child and fill that tank. Fill it before you are going to ask them to do something or just fill it to fill it. Yeah. And one of the biggest ways you can fill it is by engaging in child-led play. So a lot of times as parents, we play with our children, but we try to lead the play. But if you allow your child to lead the play where you're not asking questions or like, oh, what about this? Mm -hmm. Just follow their lead. Yeah, they have great ideas. I'm not so good at the imaginary play and they know that, so they don't ask me to do that anymore (laughs) because I end up getting like, you know, diverted and doing something else. But um, it's funny that you talk about this because during the quarantine and us being and trying to multitask, like and trying to do several things at home, we had Georgiana be like, I feel like we're not, um, she didn't, say connecting but she said um you guys don't play with me that's what she Mm. said you guys don't play with me and um I told her I was like we don't it's I'm not gonna play with you the same like that you're gonna play with your friends but play to me with you is coloring it's doing legos it's Mm. you know we have our own unique things that we do that is considered quote unquote play but it's not gonna look the same as when you play with your friends you know that's totally okay and, you know, it's interesting because a lot of parents, I, I tend to do pretty well with the play, I think, most, most times. Sometimes it gets a little, like, daunting. I can only play PJ Masks so long and, you know, be a superhero for so long. However, um, a lot of parents in our parenting group will say, play is just really hard for me. It's, it's, and that's okay, too. Like, mm-hmm. 
and it's okay to set boundaries around play. Like, you know, I, mommy's really not feeling like playing right now, but you know, when I finish doing X, Y, and Z, I'll play with you. Well, and play is a broad term. For, you know, it could mean mm-hmm. playing cards. It could mean that's, I, I'm a big game person, you know, mm-hmm. or puzzles, or there's something that you enjoy doing that's not work, right? And right. that could be play. Yeah, you're right. Play is very subjective. You know, another pop, uh, thing that just popped into my head with going back to feeling powerful is the magic of a timer. Have you, do you ever use a timer? Mm, I can't think of when I've used one recently. Dude, we've used timers for, like, even cleanup. Seems like that's a big subject in our house, but um, it's just on the brain since we've been talking about it. Allow, grab a timer and allow your child to set the timer. And oh, like a little kitchen timer. Yeah. Or even before bed, okay, we're going to set this timer. You set the timer. Mm-hmm. And then when the timer goes off, it's, it's time to, you know, read a book and we're all done playing and it's oh, not nighttime. You know, I do use a timer with screen time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and then they feel powerful because they've set the timer. You can let them choose, you know, do you want to set the timer for five minutes or, mm-hmm. you know, six, whatever. Yeah. Six minutes. But then it's also a visual and audio. Um, it feeds those senses yeah. as well. So it's a really great tool to use a timer. And it lets them uh, kind of... It's not like abruptly, like you've just stopped and pulled, you know, pulled them out of something. They know it's coming and... It's revealed ahead of yeah. time. It, it eases them into the transition. It's mindful. It's respectful. Timers. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. And they even have timers where you can see like the red, like the color like is fading away. Anyways, I've never... Anyways. <laughs> Genuine encounter moment though. That was good. I like the, the, the gem moment. The yeah. Gem. Fill them with gems. Mm-hmm. You know, and Suzanne Tucker talks about for every three times you redirect your child or your husband or anyone, <laughs> connect with them. So she, like, has little bracelets, four bracelets, three of one color and one of another. And then for every time she redirects, she knows that she has to. Oh. Yeah. That's a good little tool. Yeah. So correct before you redirect. But, you know, with power struggles, the, the, one of the main things that I think is important to remember is that you are on the same team as your child. Mm-hmm. Even though you may be wanting different things in the moment, you are on the same team. And so looking for win-win solutions is, like, so huge. Yeah, I always think back to the tug-of-war rope and, yeah. like, drop the rope because you guys are on the same side. Mm-hmm. Totally. And you can use that practice with your children you can say, gosh, it really seems like you want to go outside and play. I want to clean up these toys. How can we come up with a solution so we both win? And then what you do is you take turns giving ideas. And it's not a time to dismiss ideas. They can be silly. They can be bogus. They can be um, great ideas. But write them down on a piece of paper. And after you feel like you've gotten your list of ideas, then go through and see which ones work for both of you. Crossing out any ones that don't. And then the win-win solution is complete when you both feel good about the outcome. So it's a really great tool because then both of you feel like you're getting what you want. And along with this process, I statements are like, 
such a great way to help reduce conflict in a household. And those go like this. I feel blank when blank happens because what I want to see happen. I feel frustrated when I see toys all over the house. What I'd like to see happen is that we clean these up together. Mm-hmm. So you're not talking about your problem. You're, you're, you're not, I'm sorry, you're not talking about your child's problem. You're talking about your problem because guess what? Our triggers are our own right problem right. right and then they they want to help you yeah. you know so they're just like any human you want to be helpful to those that you love so i, I want to help you mommy you know after you explain why and what you're look, what you're wanting absolutely uh catherine was telling me that when you're in the middle of a power struggle just ask your child to help you with something because it sends them into their higher level brain and keeps you know can help pull them out of their brain stem and when you talk about your problem, it's, it's not on them. It's not like you're blaming them for anything. I did this with Maddox one day when we were trying to clean up. It, I knew he was exhausted. I tried all of the tools, you know, all of the things, and he wasn't having it. And so I sat down and just said, is now a good time to talk? I asked for permission because timing is everything. And he, I said, I have this problem. When I see such a mess in the house, I feel anxious. Would you be willing to help me with this? And just like that, he cleaned up. It was like magic. I was like, poof. I was like, oh. Because he wanted to help. He, mm-hmm. he, he saw me struggling. He wanted to, you know, when you care about somebody, you yeah. want to help them. Yeah. The empathy. And it helps to not demand and command. I, I need you to do this. I mean, mm-hmm. if you close your eyes and start giving someone a bunch of commands... How, like, how does that feel in your body if someone's constantly pushing at you? But if you say, hey, I would like for us to clean up. What are you willing to do? And if they say nothing, then you can give choices. Are you willing to clean up the cars? Are you willing to clean up the superheroes? Mm-hmm. What are you willing to do? Putting some of that autonomy back into them. Yeah, choices are really good. They work well. Mm-hmm. When both are correct. You know, it's like... Yeah, you can't offer a choice that's a punishment. Like, are you willing to lose your phone for, um, you know, five months? Or are you willing to never play with your friends again? Yeah. Like, those are both punishments. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. um, so there's just so many good tools out there. And there's, you just have to kind of, it's like putting on like an outfit. Like whatever feels good for you that day in that moment is what you try to do. Yeah, and, and, and reaching out to fellow moms and friends and or coaches that like you, that, you know, I feel like people can come to you with questions and, you know, offer advice and you like that role playing that you were telling me about. That's amazing. Like every parent needs role, someone to role play with and just be like, this is what's happening in my house. Ashley coach me and help me be a better mom. (laughs) I I feel so lucky to, you know, just be your friend and get some advice from you all the time. Cause well, I feel likewise, you give me lots of advice on, um, you know, life, <laughs> just <laughs> following my dreams and believing in myself. And so, yes, I am going to be doing offering parent coaching. But if it's not someone like me you talk to, talk to a fellow girlfriend, talk to your mom, talk to anyone because we can relate. You're not in this alone. And um, everything is temporary. You're going to get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't sit in the shit. Just take a deep breath and let it go. <laughs> <laughs> and let it flow. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for hanging with us. Bye-bye.